0: God, we love you, and we would just uh, we would just ask your presence in this place. God, we would ask that you would speak through me this morning as you do every week, that the words that are coming out of my mouth would be your words and not my words. God, no one here came to hear from me or needs to hear from me. We all want to hear from you, God. God, this series that we're about to start is a is an important series for each and every one of us. And so God, I just pray that you would, you would meet with us here in this place, that you would, you would find our minds open and our hearts open to what you have to say to us this morning as we begin. God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are, uh, are starting a series this morning uh, just called The Gospel. The gospel. We're going to spend the next five or six weeks here talking through the gospel, taking a good look at the gospel, which is the lifeblood of who we are, not just as a church, but as individual people who claim to follow Christ. We're going to be taking a good, long, hard look at what we believe and, and, and what is this gospel. A couple weekends ago, we had a, a conference here, and it was uh, called Secret Church. And the theme of this church, part of what we talked about, was, was counterfeit Gospels. And these Gospels that, that are close to the real thing. And, and, but, but he defined a counterfeit Gospel as a fraudulent imitation of the Gospel that saves. And it struck me that day, and it has been just with me over the last week and a half as I've been kind of processing this secret church, that, that there, are, there are so many people who, who are clinging to, to a fraudulent gospel, clinging to a counterfeit gospel, a gospel that does not save, a watered down gospel that is not the true gospel at all. And, and it's this scripture has been in my mind in Galatians chapter 1. If you want to turn there with me, Galatians chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 6, Galatians chapter 1, starting at verse 6. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, it's on page 823, Galatians chapter 1. This is Paul talking to the church in Galatia, and uh, I just want you to listen to what he says to them. Galatians chapter 1, starting at verse 6, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let that person be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what what you accepted, let that person be under God's curse. I've been thinking a lot about this gospel, and one of my biggest fears as a pastor, and I've shared this before, is that every week in this church and in churches around the world, there are Christians who, who would call themselves Christians that are sitting in churches and, and worshiping and reading the Bible and following along in the messages who who are following a gospel that is not the gospel of Christ. It may look similar, it may feel similar. They may have some similar beliefs, but there are things in there that are just wrong and lead to a life that is not Christ-like. And so, so that is one of my biggest fears is that, that one day that, is, that, they, that people are following a gospel, which is really no gospel at all. It's a counterfeit. And so we're going to spend the next six weeks or so just talking about the gospel, why it's important, that the gospel is, is who we are, it's, it's what we believe, it's what we need, it's, it's how we live, and it's how, how we know. But again, one of my biggest fears, and really the main reason that we're even talking about this and doing this series, is just this fear that there are some clinging to a counterfeit gospel who will one day look into the eyes of their creator, their father, and they will hear the words, I never knew you. People sitting in, in pews and in churches just like you and me today will hear those words. Matthew chapter 7, if you want to go there, as we're going to be camping out today. Matthew chapter 7, if you're in one of our pew bibles, page 685. Jesus is, uh, is speaking to a large group of his followers and and uh, this is the tail end of, of one of Jesus' greatest sermons in Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. These are some of the last things that Jesus says uh, to, to these people. This is as, as one writer says, this is the climactic conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. And I just want you to, to hear the words that Jesus says, starting in verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate. And broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it Watch out for false prophets they come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ferocious wolves By their fruit you will recognize them Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from figs from thistles Likewise every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts it into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who came down a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is how Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount. This sermon that is, that is widely thought of as one of Jesus' greatest sermons, I... I one of the, uh, at a, there was a youth conference one time, uh, it was called the National Youth Workers Conference, and uh, a guy by the name of Shane Claiborne, who's one of my favorite authors, he was, uh, he was a speaker at one of these conferences, and, and he got up and he had about 50 minutes to talk, and uh, he got up and he began to just quote the Sermon on the Mount. And when he was done, he went back and he sat down and he was done. He said, this is the greatest sermon I'll ever preach. He prefaced this sermon. He said, this is the greatest sermon that I will ever preach. And he began in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he began to go through the whole sermon on the mount, and he he ended with this and the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash and he went and he sat down. Now, the, uh, the people who ran that event were not very happy with him because it only took him about 20 minutes out of his 50 minutes. But, but man, this is, this is, this is the, uh, one of the greatest sermons that we can, we can look at and see the way that we need to live as Christians. This is Jesus talking uh, to, to really believers. Jesus is talking to a large group of people who are following him, of religious people. Jesus is not preaching in this sermon to people who don't, Believe he's not preaching to people to the irreligious. He's not preaching to the agnostic. He's not preaching to the to the atheist. He's preaching to, to religious people. And this is how he ends his sermon. He ends it with three pictures. There's the wide and the narrow gate. There's the the true and the false prophets, or the true and the false faith. And and really, this is again one of the most horrific, horrifying parts of scripture for me. That there will be people who at the who on the last day, on the day of judgment, will look at Jesus and say, "Lord, Lord." And this is not just a you. Don't don't call someone Lord that you, that you haven't, don't have admiration for. There's not people that are, that are just seeing God for the first time and, and, and thinking this. This is Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? And Jesus looks at them and he says, I never knew you. I never knew you. It's a horrifying part of scripture for me. And it ends with this picture of the house. This house symbolizing life that is falling with a great crash. And here's the message, and and I just want this, this morning, I just want to just, this gospel is important. This gospel that we believe is so important to who we are and to how we live our lives. And what Jesus is saying here with these three pictures in the back of the sermon is that it's possible to deceive ourselves in the most important issue in this life. It is possible. I'm going to say this again. It is possible to deceive ourselves in the most important issue in this life. Jesus stands at, in this in these three pictures, kind of at the at the crux of eternity. He says, "Look, there's there's two different ways here. There is a broad road, and there is a narrow road. There is a there is there's bad trees." That bear bad fruit, and there are good trees that bear good fruit. There is a, a false faith, and there is a true faith. There is a foundation that you can lay on sand that leads to, to destruction, and there is a foundation that you can place on the rock, and it will lead to life. Jesus is standing in the middle, and he's saying, Hey, you decide. You decide. And I think this morning it's possible to to deceive ourselves into thinking we're on one side when really we are square in another side. And again, Jesus is not speaking to unbelievers here. He's not saying that this way is the way for unbelievers. He's not saying this way is the way for people who just deny me and who reject me. He's not saying that. He's saying there is a a wide road and there is a narrow road. And here's the question I want to ask you this morning. Do you believe it's possible to think you're a Christian and not be one? Do you think it's possible to think you're a Christian and not be one? And I don't say this lightly, but I think the answer is yes. Now on the flip side of that, I absolutely 100% believe that you can have an assurance this morning in your relationship with God. That when I ask you this question, do you, do you know that you will spend eternity with the Father? Your answer doesn't have to be, I hope so. Your answer can be absolutely yes, 100% yes, I believe, and, and, I, and, I, and I know that. I, you can be assured in your salvation, and we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But today, I want to think about the, the importance of the gospel, and I want to dive in this morning to these, these pictures that Jesus has, has given us at the end here of Matthew chapter 7. And I want to I just talk to you this morning about the danger of spiritual deception of deceiving ourselves into thinking we are on one path when in reality we are on another. I'll I'll just start this morning with this this first picture that Jesus gives us, this picture of the road. In verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This, This picture that that Jesus gives us here in Matthew chapter 7 gives us a warning. And here's, here's what I think the warning is. I think it's natural for us to gravitate toward that which is easy and that which is popular, that which is comfortable. And Jesus is saying, you can, you can take this, this broad road. There is this road. There is the, the, the large gate. It's the easy road. It's inviting. It's spacious. It's accommodating. There are, there are few rules. There are few regulations. There are, there are very few requirements on this broad road. And again, let me just remind you, this is a religious road. This is not a road of rejection. This is a religious road. There are, this, is, this is the road, but don't miss this. Jesus is speaking to religious people. This, is, this broad road over here, is a, it's a religious road that doesn't require much of you. Here's kind of a contemporary way of saying this. That your relationship with quiet Christ only requires just a one-time decision. And after that one-time decision, you don't need to, you don't need to worry about about the way that you live, and your sins will be, will be tolerated, your sins will be forgiven in the end, but it's just about that one time decision. I see some heads shaking like I'm being ridiculous right now, but I, I want you to understand this is a gospel that is preached in churches all around the world today. That all it takes is a one time decision. All it takes, you don't have to change anything, you don't have to do anything different. Do some research today. Just, just go online and Google what people... Just Google polls about Christians. I've seen some recently. There's about half of America calls themselves Christians. But in those same polls that you see this, you'll see that the, the Christian life doesn't look anything different than the non-Christian life. And, and those Christians would probably fall squarely within this broad road over here. Yeah, and they made that decision. They... I made that decision. I made that one-time decision. And, and whatever happens now, whatever happens now. I am mean, squarely in this broad road. And I just think this is, man, it's hard. All right, it's, it's not easy. It's, this, is, this is a watered-down gospel that is sold to many in our culture today. And Jesus is saying, there are going to be a lot of people who follow this road. There are going to be a lot of people, even sitting in churches today, who are, who are traveling this, this broad road. And Jesus says, there, you can go on the broad road, but you enter the narrow gate. You go this way. You enter the narrow gate. It's interesting in that passage that the word narrow is used in two different contexts over here. The the first one enter through the narrow gate. That word narrow literally means to be to be pressured on all sides. It's not easy to go through the narrow gate. You're going to find pressure on all sides, and the other narrow, the, the narrow the road. That that narrow is used all throughout scripture, is in different contexts, as to talk about tribulation and trials and all this kind of stuff. Jesus is saying, look. Look, the road, this narrow road, the way of Christ is going to be hard to follow. And he's not just saving this kicker for the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's not just saying at the end of the sermon, hey, look, there's this broad road, but, but I want you to follow this small one over here. And this way, this way of Christ, this way that I'm calling you to is going to be hard. This is nothing new in this sermon. Remember, he starts off this sermon in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted. All right? These aren't, these aren't easy things over here. Jesus is saying these are the people who are going to be blessed. These are the people who are, who are going to, to inherit my kingdom. This is, it's going to be hard to really truly follow the gospel of Christ. I think we need to, to overcome the temptation and the belief and the the gravitation towards all the easy things and the comfortable things. The gospel of Christ is a hard road to travel. The gospel of Christ is not an easy road. The gospel of Christ requires much of you. The second story he talks about here in in Matthew chapter 7, of the the false prophets and the, the good trees and the bad trees and I think here's, here's the warning in this picture. We can profess publicly to what we do not possess personally. We can profess publicly to that which we do not possess personally. He talks about the wolves in sheep's clothing and these, these, these wolves, they, they look like they know Jesus They they speak to Christ like they know Him. They they look like they know. They 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 talk like they know, but they do not know. So how do we know? Well, there's a good tree and a bad tree, and this is this is what He says: good trees always bear good fruit. The way of Christ is always fruitful. The way of Christ is always fruitful. You will see fruit of Christ in your life if you follow the gospel of Christ. If you are living the gospel of Christ, you will be able to see that by your fruit. He even says, by their fruit you will know them. The way of Christ is always fruitful. If someone follows Christ, they have the fruit of Christ in their life. So here's my question this morning. Well, the question for the first one, the question for the first story, do you, do you gravitate towards the easy things? Do you gravitate towards the comfortable things? But here's the question for this one. That do you see the fruit of Christ in your life? Do you see the fruit of Christ in your life? And if not, I think it's, it's time to examine a little bit. We'll talk about that a little bit later. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do you see the fruit? He ends with the story of the the houses built on sand and built on rock. And I think that the warning that we see here is on our foundation. Where, Where is your foundation? What do you base your life on? Oftentimes we, we, we don't even realize, but we have so many different things that we look to in our lives as driving forces. We have so many things that we look to in our lives as foundations for our life. And oftentimes it's not God. Where's your foundation? Is your foundation on the rock? Is your foundation found in the Word of God? Is, the fo- is your foundation found in the power of Christ? Is this where your foundation is? Matthew chapter 7 reminds us that it is, there is a danger of spiritual deception in our lives. Where we may think that we are on this, this small, narrow path over here, but in reality, we are, we are squarely in the broad path. Is there fruit in your life? So how do, we, how do we walk the path to spiritual authenticity? I think three things this morning. How do we walk this path towards spiritual authenticity? Here's number one. We need to listen. We need to listen and we need to know. We need to know the voice of, of the Father, we need to know the Word of the Father. We need to be able to know Scripture, to be able to listen to Scripture, to be able to test our beliefs, to be able to test other people's beliefs, to be able to test everything that we're hearing based upon the Word of God. This is the authority. This is the authority of our faith. Everything we believe is based out of this book. Everything that we believe is right here. So we can test everything if we are able to listen and know what is in here. Here's here's a way to spiritual authenticity. Know this book and know the voice of the Father. We talked a couple weeks ago about the good shepherd and and the, the sheep knowing the shepherd's voice. I encourage you to go listen to that if you, if you missed it. But I, I, Know the voice of the Father. Amen. Listen. Number two, examine. Number one, listen. Number two, examine. There's a, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 that I think really fits us today. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. This is Paul, again, talking to the church in Corinth. With some final instructions, and here's what he says: Second Corinthians chapter five, verse i thir- sorry, Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five says this: "Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you?" And I love that he adds this here. <laughs> Unless, of course, you fail the test. I'm gonna read this again. This is one to underline, circle, memorize. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. I think we need to be able to examine ourselves and see whether or not we are in the faith. And we'll, we'll again talk in a few weeks about the assurance that we have in Christ and how we can know this gospel allows us to know about our salvation and know that we are saved. But number three, we need to pray. Listen, examine, and pray. God, would I just find a hunger for this gospel? God, would I I be just an example of this gospel? God, would you speak in my life, speak through my life, move through my life? God, would I see the fruit of your word in my life? God, would I I be able to lead people towards this gospel? Would I be able to show the gospel? Would I be able to, God, God, would you just, God, show me your face? that I would know the gospel and help me to live this out. Yeah, we need to just, just fall on our faces in prayer and seek the face of God and know that, that he is the reason for all of this, that, that this, this God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, that we might have eternal life with him. This is the gospel. Would we pray that we would we would understand so deeply that the gospel would be be such a, a core part of who we are that we can't not live the gospel? We can't not live the gospel. This gospel is so important. Next week we're going to talk about the gospel and how it how it shapes who we are as people, as a church, as individuals. I am so excited to talk for the next month, month and a half about this gospel, that we would know the gospel and that we would, we would come to know whether or not we are following a counterfeit one. Would we know the gospel so much so that we can recognize when that is not gospel, when that is not consistent with this Bible, that that is not consistent with what I know about God, would we be able to know the gospel and be identified and be, just find our identity in this gospel? That's my prayer over the next month, month and a half, that we would come to know and find our identity in this gospel. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We're thankful for you. God, we're thankful for everything that you do for us, God, and we just we just praise you this morning. God, this morning, as we talk about this gospel and we talk about the fact that there might be even some in this room here spiritually deceived this morning, thinking they are on the right path, but in reality they're they're not being fruitful. God, they don't see any fruit from their lives. They don't see God, uh, these pictures just speak so clearly to us. This picture of of this, this, these roads, God, the wide road and the narrow road, the picture of the good tree and the bad tree, the, good, the picture of the, the foundation on the rock and the foundation on the sand. God, would we, would we keep these pictures in our mind this week? And will we continue to think about them? Will we continue to just, just, just reflect on these and, and put ourselves in these pictures that we might know where we stand? God, will we not deceive ourselves with this gospel? And we would not find, would we not find a counter gospel, a counterfeit gospel that is counter to what we know of you and what we believe in you, God. And God, would we just have a hunger and a thirst for you. God, would you go ahead of us this week? Be in our homes, be in our workplaces, be in our conversations. God be over the health of this congregation. That was so much sickness going around. God, I pray that you would just provide a divine healing over this whole place. God, and will we seek you with everything we are? We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And just receive this blessing this morning. May the God of grace and love, peace and joy, may He go with you and ahead of you this week. May this God show you these and remind you of these pictures in your mind. Would He show you your place on the road and would He show you the Uh, Which tree you are? Would he show you which foundation you have? And would he just remind you that he loves you? And would you go in peace this week and make a difference in your community, wherever that may be? Go in peace, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.